So Greta, I'm pretty pumped to have this conversation with you. It's amazing to know you and to, to share about you and what you're doing with, uh, with our audience. I want to start by asking if you could share about what lights you up. What are you really passionate about? Hmm. That's such a great question. Recently, I think until recently, I've been a little self-conscious about being an optimist and actually believing in the best in the world. Sometimes I feel like I'll be at a, in an environment with other people and, and there's a level of cynicism that I think is kind of cool, sort of edgy, like people should be cynical. And the truth is, is that what really lights me up in this world is believing in like actual pure goodness, that optimism is possible, that great, big, powerful waves of positivity can flood over all of us and we can do, we can be in that space that lights me up. Yeah, I'm super interested in the, in this topic um, around it, it kind of, it seems that it's very socially acceptable and cool to be cynical, right? Mm-hmm. I'm wondering, do you have any insights into why that is? Like, like, how did we get to this point where it feels very safe to be critical? This is so interesting. So when I was about 10 years old, I started riding horses and you're taught to have really straight posture. And I went to school and um, I was so proud of like being like having this posture and people, my friends made fun of me for having such straight posture. And so I actually started intentionally sort of slouching to make other people comfortable. And I think that people, there is safety in cynicism. It is extremely vulnerable to believe in good, to stand out on this plateau of this, this like open space where you believe in goodness. And so I think that's very scary. I think that it's easy to get burned. It's easy to get hurt. You know, if something does happen where pain, all oh, that pain is, is intense because you are so open, you are so vulnerable, you do believe, and then it's like crushing. So I think to avoid all of that, people are cynical. And do you think that <laughs> like whether we choose to be cynical or hopeful, it has an effect on where we go collectively into the future. Like there's a manifestation aspect happening here. If we have the viewpoint that, you know, things are, are going in the wrong direction and our, our ship is, you know, falling apart, then does that 
create in a way that future. And if we are really hopeful and feel that things are getting better, does that create a better future? Uh, wondering where, where your stance on that, or is that all just totally irrelevant and our viewpoint doesn't really have an effect on, on what's going to happen in the future? Oh my gosh. I love your questions, Avi. <laughs> um, so I think I, I told you this morning I had this, someone gifted me this, this guided prayer session and I had no idea what to expect. And, um, it's interesting. We actually, we spoke about this very thing that, um, it doesn't actually matter what we think. It doesn't actually matter what we believe because, um, it's happening anyway. Our job is to actually just be present in the moment and to actually hold this space, um, to be able to be present to the, the bounty of like what is actually here right now before us. I think the vulnerability and the hope is in being able to feel the goodness of that. Like, and, and that's, that's, it takes a lot of brave courage to be able to be just sort of open to the goodness that is happening right now. And this is not to say that I think, I think the cynicism comes from like, Oh, well, that's naive because there's all this horrific stuff happening in the world. And I, myself have mistaken being open with denying seeing the truth of some very difficult things that I absolutely needed to address and to change in my life. And to, I mean, we're talking about like serious, serious, serious shit. Um, but being like present in the moment to what is means that we don't have to worry about the future. We do have to, it, it's like freeing and it gives us the space to be able to um, have empathy and love and gratitude and compassion for ourselves and for the people around us. And I have to believe that that in itself will result in something profoundly wonderful beyond beyond our wildest dreams and not to say that it's like you can't even define that you can't define what that will look like I spent a year living on my mother's property and she has very humble humble means dirt floor thatch roof straw bale walls compost toilet, 
solar energy, beehives, an old horse named Star, a dog named Happiness. And in this space, um, like just being very, very present, I felt more peace and serenity than any manifestation of what I might think is going to happen in the future. I hope that that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah, it does. It does to me. (laughs) I noticed that within myself, there's a part of my mind that, you know, has anxiety, a lot of anxiety about the future and what is going to happen. And there's this story that's been on repeat for a while that if I, if I don't worry about the future, then it's not going to be okay. Right. So what you're, what, what you're talking about is like being in the present, like what, what prevents me and maybe others as well from doing what you're saying, just fully embracing what is here is a fear that if I do that, I'm somehow being complacent. Yeah. And it's not good. It's not good enough. And like what I hear you saying is like, that is good enough. And that's where the trust element comes in. um, And that I can rely on that practice. Like, um, but there's, there's, there's fear there for sure. You know? Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I want to share this extraordinary thing that um, I can't believe I'm going to share with you. But um, okay, so, so uh, I hold my stress in my hands. My, my hands are like, and so when I was 25, I developed this, um, this tremor. And um, it's just something I live with. It's annoying. But a year ago, uh, I also was diagnosed with this thing called, I don't even know how to say it, Dupachins, Dupachins, <laughs> Dupachins. Um, <laughs> it's spelled with way too many consonants. And <laughs> it is this thing where you get these nodules in, they attach themselves to your uh, tendons in your hand. And it creates this contracture, like this actual constricted, if, if not addressed, it's horrible. Do not Google it because it's just, ugh, you get these disgusting pictures. And so I, I got it about a year ago and uh, I'm lucky to have some incredible access to hand specialists. And I found myself um, in the living room of one here in Maryland and they said that there's this really intense therapy at Johns Hopkins that you can um, do radiation therapy. Uh, And so for the past, so yesterday I ended my seventh day of radiation therapy. You do seven days in a row. So it's really, really scary because you go to the building that says radiology radiation and oncology and everyone has cancer. Everyone has cancer. Um, I don't have cancer. This is not life threatening, but it's, it's still, you go into the building where, um, 
everyone has hazmat suits on and there are the like doors that are like this thick and they've got the scary sign that says like massive radiation beyond this point. And I lay on the table and they created a mold just for my hand and I had to put it up there and like the lasers go crisscross on your hand. You don't feel a thing, but um, still emotionally, like really, really, really scary. And so um, last yesterday was my final treatment and I went, uh, I just was filled with fear, filled with fear last night, going to bed thinking like, Oh my God, what if I, what if, what if it comes back? What if I didn't do enough? What if it comes into my other hand? Like, and then I was thinking, okay, worry is how I got into this mess. And I go into this weird cycle where it's like, if I, if I worry, I'm actually going to cause myself more damage. And then, so I am not immune to this sense of tremendous, deep, profound worry. Um, So this morning I did this little dance class here in my house on a video and I'm like dancing and like shaking it out, like trying to get the energy out. All of this is going to make sense in a second. Where I used to live in Hood River a year ago, I would go for a walk on this path every single morning and there was a bald eagle's nest. And I, I think I've shared with you before, like I am obsessed with these bald eagles and we would watch this progression every year. They would migrate. They would have these babies. You'd see the babies like learning how to fly. And it was, I was just obsessed with this like process. Our house was built on a very steep hill. And so you'd see the parent eagles would fly past our window. They go to the Columbia river and they would dive down into the water and you'd see them come up with the salmon in their talons and they would fly past my window like this incredibly dramatic sight. And so um, I'm dancing this morning and one thought I've had since I moved here is that I feel like the salmon. <laughs> I feel <laughs> like the freaking salmon where the eagle just comes down and I was living this one life. And then I just was like ripped out of the water and I'm just like, what's going on this morning? I was looking at my hands and I was like, Oh my God, they look like talons to me. And then I thought, I'm the eagle. I'm the eagle. I am definitely out of my depth. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know where I'm going. But it's just like, it's like been there all along watching this example of these stoic creatures who just are so, they don't know what's going on tomorrow. They just they just do their thing. They have these babies and babies like figure out how to fly somehow. And the next thing you know, they're just like flying. And maybe the salmon is like God, like maybe the salmon is just life. And so, um, 
there's this, I think, I think what I'm trying to express is the, the sudden exhilarating comfort in the unknown. It does not make me any less scared, but it's so exciting to be like, oh my God, we could just fly. Hmm. The excitement in the unknown. This is fascinating. Like what a, what a shift instead of having fear around what might happen in the future, yeah. being excited about it or being excited about the unknown in itself that exists in this present moment and to be okay with that. You know, yeah. I, I, I feel that there's a connection here too with gratitude practice because when I'm practicing gratitude, I, I don't, need to be thinking about the future. The future is not important at all. It's this feeling of being grateful for what I've experienced and what's here, like you said, in, in the moment. <sighs> well, have you yeah. ever been able to actually predict the future? I mean, have you been able to <laughs> have your plans worked out? <laughs> no, I mean, it, it's the, this is the most fascinating thing, I think, and, and really the proof of um, of what we're what we're talking about, the effectiveness, right? Like if I if I need to see proof of how much I am not in control, all I need <laughs> to do is reflect back on my life and connect the dots and see how unpredictable everything is. And I've asked people this question a lot, right? Like, could you have, and everyone across, no way could I have predicted, you know, what has happened in, in my right. life. So why am I caught or why do I, you know, delude myself into thinking that it, it might be possible to predict what's going to happen in the future? You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, for me, it's about finding a home, being home, being, I, I want to feel home, and I've been on this journey of like, you know, thinking that I knew exactly what that was and then being in a whole new place and, um, and realizing, of course, that home is, is here. And one of the biggest moments for me was, so here I have just purchased a home and in a new space and. Um, I ordered some furniture and I ordered a couch and, you know, shipping right now with the pandemic is really crazy. So I got the couch, the couch was delivered and it, it, I had so much wrapped up like, Oh, when I get this couch, I'm going to be home. I'm going to sit on this couch and it's going to make me feel so good. And, and it was the most empty, meaningless. I looked at this thing and it was like, it felt so cold and completely unsatisfying. And um, I broke into tears and I was like, oh my God, I will never feel home. And um, 
this incredible just thread started happening where it was like I could sit on the floor and just feel like just like for me what it's it's about going inward and being like loving myself and knowing what do I need in this moment? How can I actually feel? What was the feeling I was trying to get at? What was it about the the idea of the couch that I can actually manifest and, and happen? And for me, it's about, um, gosh, it's, it's, it's more about like having this conversation with you, connecting with people that I love giving myself really like making myself comfortable drinking enough water, having a cup of tea. And so slowly like getting a like cozy blanket. I don't know. I don't know. It's about like (laughs) nesting into this space of it's not about this stuff. It's not about this stuff. And it's easy. You know, it's like, I, who, yeah. It, it, it really, I, I could go to my, my mom's house right now and go hang out in star of the horses stall and feed them some oats and feel more at home in that moment in a second than anything else. What is that about? <laughs> what is that about? <laughs> yeah. Like <laughs> I've had the thought of like, you know, wanting to make a, a simple life, sexy, <laughs> you know, just <laughs> what, what, what I mean by that is like, this is just not working, you know, the constant yeah. striving for, and I think so many of us are discovering that, you know, that it's yeah. not about the couch. It's not about the thing, whatever, whatever it is. It's like, you know, it, another thing that really helps me um, see proof of this and have perspective is when we look at, the amount of luxuries that even someone in today's world who is um, not considered financially well off, right, is is poor or lower class compared to what our grandparents had is so far beyond, yeah. you know, like the amount of luxury, um, at least in our country. And there's all different levels and in, in all of this. And this is definitely a huge uh, generalization. The point here to me is really that it's more about what do I have compared to my neighbor often. And when I realized that, I was like, I don't want to play that game. I have no interest because it's never ending. No. You know, it's never ending. No, there's always, no way to. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's no way to ever get where you want to go. But also it's about desire. I think, and looking forward to something, you know, when this happens, the vacation, the meal that I have, the time with a friend, whatever, whatever it is, it's like looking forward to it. And I've been thinking about this and I think it's a both and maybe because one, I want to feel content. I love feeling content in the moment of what we're talking about, where I don't desire anything. You know, I have all that I need in this moment. Practicing that is like, oh, the best. At the same time, at least where I am, I can't be in that place all the time. And so I I do have this habit of thinking about looking for, look, I'm looking forward to something. And I think I've come to a place now where that's okay. 
it's okay to look forward to things for me as long yeah. as I'm not completely invested in that. And I'm also conscious, I'm aware that I am playing this game of like, okay, I'm looking forward to lunch. Now I'm eating the food and I'm looking forward to what I'm doing after lunch. You know, it's like, I don't know. Yeah. 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 That makes so much sense to me. And it's, I mean, uh, playing the game, I think you said it is knowing you're playing the game. Right. I mean, I'd be lying if I, I didn't say that. Um, when I was sleeping, so my mom's place, there were a lot of mice and I got really, really comfortable. We called him Fred. We just named him all Fred and we wake up in the morning and I'd be like, caught another Fred last night or you'd, um, my mom would, she had this, this waste basket in the, off the, the, in the back. And so you put a mouse, we would catch him in the live traps or a glue trap, which is, and you put on a little bit of olive oil to loosen them. And then you dump them in the basket and you'd cover it real quick so that the cat wouldn't get it. Um, and in those moments, I was like, I really want something. I don't want to be, <laughs> you know, so. We say that again. You really want what? I didn't, I didn't love that. I, I, mm. I wasn't appreciative of the whole, like, I wanted to be in a place that didn't have mice. I wanted to be, I sort of it, dreamt of being more comfortable being in a place where I could like be Fred free. Um, and yet now I, I long for that, the like simplicity of just like being real. It's like the, the grass is always greener for me. Yeah. It's such a big thing to be, aware of, you know, um, I think about it with, <laughs> with my daughter a lot, if I'm being honest, you know, when, when I'm, I notice myself have the tendency, you know, when I'm not with her, I want to be with her. And then sometimes <laughs> when we're together, you know, I'm like feeling tired and I just want alone time for myself. I mean, there's just so many different levels of, of this. Um, and, and it's just incredible the way that the, the, the mind works. Uh, but I want to come back to gratitude because yeah. you're, yeah. you're heavily involved with, with gratitude. And, uh, a lot of people might not even know about all the amazing projects that you've been involved with. It's really incredible. Um, mm. I don't know if we have time to go into all that, or if you feel like going into all of that. Um, but check out what Greta has done because it's, it's, it's really something. Um, but, if you want, we could talk in particular about gratitude revealed and working with Louis Schwartzberg and, and, and this project. So if you want to talk about the project and also maybe how it's changed your relationship with gratitude and what you've learned from, from it. Yeah. I, I mean, it all ties so nicely into this because, um, I, 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 I struggle with, with believing in, uh, sort of, God or, you know, powers 
greater than myself. Um, but uh, there are these incredible, um, I have had the opportunity of being able to be a part of these like extraordinary projects and they kind of just like come into my life and I'm very, 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 very grateful for them. Um, I had the privilege of meeting Louis Schwartzberg back in 2014 and he had two projects that he was working on. Um, he had just done this little video he had filmed a conversation with himself and Paul Stamets out in the woods talking about mushrooms. And he thought, you know, could we make a whole movie about mushrooms? Do you think people would be into that? And of course we started down this journey of creating fantastic fungi. And then at the same time he was doing, he believed in the power of gratitude himself and he felt this is what's so cool. So he studies nature um, and he, he has been on this quest for trying to convey the wonder and awe that he sees himself trying to actually bring that and share that with the world. And so he has traveled the, the earth to places that we will never see. And he has brought back these extraordinary visual stories for us to, um, to feel as though we have actually like witnessed the world. And, and he thought that the place where nature and humanity intersect is the space of gratitude that we are able to witness with our eyes. This information comes in and it's visually healing and it comes into our hearts. And we have this expression of like being, being, in awe and wanting to share that with someone that we love. It's sort of like you see a beautiful sunset and you just really want someone there with you to see it with you. And like, the, what is that? What is that expression of like, you're witnessing nature's beauty and it comes in your heart. And so Louis says it's gratitude. And there are all sorts of like ways that we, cross into this conversation through curiosity, through wonder, through awe, um, generosity. And so he started down this road of creating gratitude revealed. Um, and we had a full length feature film that we released, uh, back in September. So the exciting news, the thing that I want to share with you is that John Templeton foundation actually gave us a grant. And as of January 1st, we are able to, um, we no longer are going to monetize it at all. We're going to actually make this accessible to people so that everyone in the world can see this film. But we're taking it one step further. We really believes that the um, this experience is best had in community. And so he really wants the film to be witnessed with others. So we're not just going to put it online or anything like that. We actually are going to be holding these gratitude gatherings. We're going to do one a month. And these gratitude gatherings, some of them will be virtual. Some will be in person. Some will be hybrid. We've got really beautiful ideas about like having this immersive gratitude experience um, where all of the senses would be stimulated. And of course, you know, like bringing the film to life 
one of the favorite parts of the film, for example, is um, an animation called 85 that is narrated by NQ doing like a slam poetry reading as really moving and touching about love. And so, for example, a gratitude gathering might have the 85, this, this clip on this like large immersive screen. And then in queue would do a poetry reading in person with that, with music. And so we've got really cool ideas about what these gratitude gatherings will be like. And so we're hoping that people can attend these, but if you're not able to, then we're inviting like the true meaning of give the gift of gratitude. We will um, encourage people to host their own gratitude gatherings and we'll provide you with absolutely everything you need to be able to screen this. Um, again, we're encouraging people to do in-person screenings, but also virtual screenings. And so it now becomes possible for, uh, for organizations, nonprofits can use this as a catalyst for fundraising for their mission we're not able to monetize, but nonprofits can use it to, as a fundraising vehicle for their organization. Faith-based, faith-based groups, um, communities, parents, teachers, universities. We're doing this really cool nurse, nurse initiative where we're going to um, some of the best hospital organizations in, the, in our country. Uh, and the hospitals are giving the screening of gratitude revealed as a gift to their nurses. We're just solidifying like Johns Hopkins, for example, um, at the beginning of nurse appreciation week in May, we'll host this across all of their campuses. We'll do a simulcast and Louie will be there in person. So this idea of like giving the gift of gratitude, all of this is funded. It, it costs nothing, but, um, really creating this sense of like this wave of gratitude. And so we're encouraging people. We're launching the website, hopefully today to articulate everything that I've said. Um, oh, and there's one last part of it, which is an educational curriculum. So you can watch the film and you can also have this really beautiful uh, guided uh piece of, of, of copy, this document, which um, we'll provide to you so that you can actually know what to do after you watch the film. So all of that is happening. That is Gratitude Revealed, the new evolution. We're calling it Catch the Wave. Mm. Okay, so that's what I would like to ask you about is like, what is, what is this wave? Gratitude, you know, and what you've, mm. what you've noticed both within yourself, how you're changing maybe with gratitude becoming more uh, a part of your life and, and also like the process that people are going through, right? Like, like catching this wave, like what have you learned about like how this works? Maybe for someone who, you know, they, you know, they know the word obviously gratitude, but gratitude is not really a part, part of their lives in terms of having a practice at all. And then moving in the direction uh, where someone starts to open up to the sensation of being grateful. What have you learned about like the human process of moving in that direction? 
the nurses have taught me the most because um, we, the first screening we did was up at Mount Sinai up in New York and they have uh, eight campuses. And so we did a simulcast with all of, um, uh, it was like 8,000 nurses and you know, what they have been through and with New York being the epicenter of the pandemic, they use gratitude as the number one survival tool for their mental health to be able to come to work each day. And so I think, you know, whatever I think I've been through, they've been through, they describe it as war. Like if they're, if, if you have either been in war, but it, they feel as though they have been at war. So the stories that they share are horrific, horrific beyond anything that you could comprehend of what it was like in particularly Brooklyn at the beginning of the pandemic, that first period of time. And now there's this expectation people want to get on with their lives, get back to normal. And it's kind of like when you're in an accident, you kind of hold it together until after the accident, then you lose your, like all the emotions hit you. And uh, the nurses right now, the mental health of the nurses, they are, they have not had a chance to breathe. They've not had a chance to recover from the pandemic. It was, um, life and death. They saw a lot of death. They had to deal with a lot of death and they truly believed that they themselves could die. Many of them did. And so, um, how do they survive? Well, you know, the hospitals can't pay them for more money. The hospitals can't provide them vacation days or time off. What they can do is find a place like what are the tools what are the resources they can use to heal to show up to pick themselves up and come to work it's a perfect example because it's not like their day gets any easier it's not like everything falls into place and now they're going to have like you know their days are still hard gratitude It's a way of healing the heart. And what they do is they are grateful for the lives they have saved. They are grateful for each other and having a support of each other. It, it, it's like, oh my gosh, the bond that they share with each other having gone through this experience. It's a deep, profound love and like a fierce protection. And they're grateful for uh, being able to share these stories with each other in the world. And there's this thing that happens, this physical manifestation of like the practice of gratitude where that lightens up. It creates this, this field, this force field, where it brings them out of fear and pain doesn't deny the pain. It actually makes space to actually feel 
to breathe and to like live into the grief. It like creates this cradle where they're going to, going to be able to nurture those dark feelings. But it's, um, it's healing. And so for me, like witnessing that, that practice of gratitude in real time, it's helped me to see that this is, this is the real deal. Like this is, there is something to this. And frankly, I'm not sure what alternative we have because of all the hard stuff that we actually do see and witness and experience in our lives. Um, we are either going like, it's sort of a matter of life and death. We can, we can descend into the depths of despair and worry and fear, or we can use tools to pull ourselves into a sense of lightness. And so gratitude is to me the, the most easily accessible tool to pull myself into a space of like getting through the day and not just getting through the day. That's I think what is so beautiful is that when you sort of like you sit and, and you think about the things that you're grateful for, it actually lightens you up and there's this profound appreciation for the great gift that is this day. It's pretty amazing to me that it's as simple as a choice that's made, you know, again and again and again. (laughs) It's like things just exist, you know, like reality is here. Mm-hmm. And it's true that things are really hard. I mean, the example that you just gave with the nurses is a beautiful one, I think. And the fact that they've gone through <sighs> such challenges mm. and have now come to a place of gratitude to a certain degree. I mean, like like you're saying, I think that that shows so so much. I mean, what can we do? You know, and, and there's so much outside of our control, but mm-hmm. that choice, whether or not to look at, look at my life, look at my situation and feel sorry for myself or to feel grateful, I think it is, a, it is a choice. I can go in either, either direction. Um, yeah. And, and both, both are okay, but I'll, I'll say for myself man, the gratitude feels a whole lot better. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think also, so, you know, like I shared with you about last night, really going to a place of fear, great, great fear. And, um, and making that really okay too. I think that it's comes back to this idea of being very present uh, it's not like I can force myself to feel grateful. It's not like I, I have to acknowledge if I feel afraid or, but you know, there's this beautiful nurturing of just gently allowing myself permission, just giving it 
like room to breathe and saying, um, I imagine, um, I mean, it sounds cheesy. I want to say it like sounds cheesy, but this idea of like loving myself, <laughs> really, really loving myself. And I've been trying to treat myself really, really well and saying like, what, what do I need in this moment? And if I need to feel afraid or if I need to feel fear, um, I guess, I guess I'm, 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 I think it's important to make it okay to have those deep, profound feelings of grief. It's just the agency that we allow ourselves to also take actions, to use the tools, and to have the courage to change the things we can. You know, there's that. I love God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Yeah, you, you mentioned that to me before your relationship with the serenity prayer. Why is that so powerful for you? What, what about it, like causes something to, to click or, or you want to remember that, right? What, what is it about it? Because in the moment of despair, when you don't know what to do, it's easy to, um, there is always something that you can do. And so we're all trying to feel good, right? Like that's, we all want to be comfortable. That's our, Human, most humans want to feel good. We want to be happy. We want to be comfortable. Um, and so when we're not and we're uncomfortable and we're, we're feeling worried, there's this, I think, that idea of being able to latch on to um, a tool of some sort, like something, some rope that's going to pull you out of this darkness and the serenity prayer. It's easy to remember. It's so profound. The courage, which acknowledges how brave you are because the stuff is hard to change the things you can because it's also making you acknowledge that there are some things that you cannot do anything about and having the wisdom to know the difference. It's this freedom and letting go. And so coming back to gratitude, you know, like oftentimes this practice of gratitude, you know, we, we, with the film, we struggle because oftentimes the word gratitude, I think it's used either so frequently that people, they forget what it actually means, or it's sort of seen as this lofty, kind of like elite snobby thing that uh, isn't like grounded in like 
for the people. And so I almost think that the word gratitude, I wish that there were a simpler, a simpler, more, more humble word to use. Give thanks, you know? Yeah. I know what you mean. What's really important for me around it is to move it into the body. That I know yes. there's a big difference between like thinking about what I'm grateful for and feeling it, you know, and both, both are fine, but I'm really into actually feeling the sensation of it in my body. That's the thing that, uh, feels very healthy to me. Yeah. 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 I really, um, getting out of our heads and into our body. I mean, that has been like incredibly important to be able to just, um, to be able to move. But I also, so I also think that this idea of, of writing things down, you know, having a gratitude journal, again, super, I, I kind of think like, Oh gosh, if one more person tells me to write down three things that I'm grateful for, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be so, <laughs> but there is this interesting exercise Oh, there are tons of deer in my backyard, whole herd. <laughs> um, there is this exercise of, of starting just to say something that you're grateful for and do this stream of consciousness. And, um, okay. So, you know, told you about my hands. It has made me so grateful for the fact that I can, stretch my hand out because that may not be the case if this thing actually continues in my hand i might actually lose that and so i am so grateful for the ability to stretch out my finger and i can just start there i can I, it doesn't have to be like big lofty things it can be like i am so grateful that right now i don't have covid <laughs> I am so grateful for the ability to breathe in my lungs and I'm not coughing. I'm so grateful for the ability to be talking to you right now, to be connected through technology, to use technology for good, you know, and, and oftentimes when I think of one thing that I'm grateful for, there's this natural sort of like, yes. And like, Oh, and I'm also grateful for, and so I don't know that we need to analyze why that's so profoundly helpful. It's just the fact that in this day and age with so many difficult things going on, if that is helpful, I think that we should have more and more people participate in this practice of gratitude. And so the reason why we are doing gratitude revealed and trying to get people to watch the film and experience it, not just to watch the film, but to actually spark, ignite this idea, this ripple effect, this wave of like, use this tool. I think that it comes back to that agency of like, we can do something and we have a choice of doing something positive or negative. 
So if we actively and responsibly and consciously choose to do something good and, and positive, it's going to create this ripple effect the same way if I think of one thing that I'm grateful for, and that sparks a second thing that I'm grateful for, and that sparks a third thing, and then suddenly I'm feeling better. Couldn't that also be like the collective whole of humanity? Couldn't we also sort of like, mm. and what could we do with that energy? Wow. <laughs> I just had like a visualization kind of, of like the planet, I think maturing. That's, that's, that's the word evolving. That's the word I use, you know, for, for myself Yeah, a, a lot as I'm just interested in what does it mean to be more mature and I think it's very much related to perspective. Yeah. Like what, what you're talking about, like just to have a healthy hand <laughs> that you can use, right? Or the, mm -hmm. the lessons that we've all used, learned from the pandemic, right? Like just how grateful to not be sick or to not have to wear a mask or to be able to go out and have freedom, right? Like yeah. it, it's very, it's fascinating to me perspective and how much of a discipline it is, you know, in a, in a good way, I feel for myself to, to be able to do that. So like on a planetary level, right? Like to have perspective yeah. about what the actual situation is to me is, is fascinating, right? Like to see that we are living on this planet hurling through space, which has all of this variety of life, like just the variety like yeah. astounds me. Like, like, wait a second, what? Like how many different kinds of flowers are there? Like on and on and on. Um, that is, is so interesting. And what I feel like holds us back the most is like this cultural energy, like how we started the conversation about, um, you know, it's very cool and safe to be uh, skeptical about things and to be negative about things. Like, what yeah. happens if that shifts and all of a sudden the culture is more about like, oh my gosh, how amazing is it to have this body that I can move about where I want and I have these eyes that can see these things and investigate, right? And I have this mind that can yeah. imagine all these different things. Like, what if our conversations changed to be focused on on that and it wasn't cheesy <laughs> to do that? Yeah. It was... Yeah useful and productive. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we, I, I do think this is where our elders can assist us and we can start establishing this, this culture where, yeah, like I said, you know, at the beginning of our conversation, um, what excites me is this idea of being positive. And I, I, if I accept the responsibility of saying, I'm going to, I'm going to hold this space of being a positive person, cultivating gratitude, articulating it to other people, sharing it, not just hoarding it, but like sharing my experience with as many people as possible. Um, I've got to believe, I mean, if, if even a small shift happened in humanity where we 
we respected gratitude like that. Um, oh God, I think it would just be profound. And so we look at like, why don't we appreciate gratitude? Why don't, why do we think it's cheesy? And that gets into a whole other thing of like, as humanity, we have always not, there's our ability to communicate with each other has been limited by, if you look at the history of the world, we have not been able to communicate with each other as openly as we can now. And so we have this thing called technology, which, sorry for the sunlight. Sorry for the sunlight. <laughs> I'm not sorry for the sunlight. Um, <laughs> Grateful for the sunlight. <laughs> sorry for my lighting. Um, we have this thing for technology. Now, I, I believe that technology can be used for, for evil and it can be used for good. And so I think that if we use technology for good, then it's, it's kind of like, um, you know, the kingdom can be like toppled and like the people can be actually empowered. And so this idea of it's, it's how fantastic fungi, we, we didn't go through the traditional distribution route. We went through very grassroots. We believed because we knew that if we just sold it to Netflix, that they would, put it on a shelf and they'd make it accessible and some people would see it. And we knew that like, if the people could actually see this in theaters pre pandemic and experience it and talk about it, that they would get it and they would be able to tell other people about. And that is how a movement is made. So I believe that is exactly what we can do with gratitude. It, it, there is some trend happening right now it is i mean you feel it right out of necessity out of the state of the world um i mean we desperately need to connect with each other in a way that we have not been able to before yeah i think the example of of the nurses is just sitting with me now thank you for sharing mm -hmm. that because it's such a powerful one to go through that and to find gratitude. Um, super profound. But there are so um, many stories yeah. of people who've been through such horrific, horrific things in their life. And yet, you know, they'll speak to you with this, this serenity, this peace, this joyfulness. And you think like, how could that possibly be? Or, you know, I think about how I have not endured that level of, of trauma. I've had my own trauma, but not, not, I haven't been in a war. I haven't fought on the front lines. I haven't been surrounded by death that way. And, um, you think like, how could they possibly get to a place of, of, of peace? And I don't think it comes easy. I think there's great cost. Um, I'm thinking of a dear friend of mine who is not with us any longer uh, Jim McLaren. Do you know who Jim McLaren is? No. May I tell you the story of Jim McLaren? Sure. Jim McLaren, he was a young student in New York City. Um, he 
was an incredible athlete and he was on his, I think, motorcycle or bike. And he was hit by a New York City bus, pronounced dead on the scene, rushed to the hospital and they brought him back to life. Um, and he was, uh, he had a below the knee amputation of his left leg. He then, uh, became a triathlete and he was the first triathlete to do the Hawaii Ironman. This is way before they had the beautiful prosthetics that they do now for these athletes. He finished that race with a bloody stump and um, went on to set world records for um, disabled athletes. He was in a triathlon, um, I forget which one, and he was on his bike in the bike segment and they block off the streets uh, a police officer did not see him and opened up the street and let a car through and the car hit him and knocked him uh, into this cement piling and he became a quadriplegic. Um, so he was a, a quadriplegic with an amputated leg and went into deep despair, profoundly deep despair. The city was able to provide him. I think he like sued the city or something. And uh, so the, the city actually provided him with money to, um, he was able to take care of himself quite well that way, but he uh, spent all of it on drugs and disappeared and, um, his friends found him in Hawaii in a wheelchair going down the highway in the middle, like on the dotted on the double lines, just like wanting to die. And so um, the challenge athletes foundation was founded because they wanted to get Jim McLaren, a van and so that he could drive. And they basically like his friends, um, saved his life and he became this speaker and he used to, he went back to get his PhD in heroism, heroism. And he believed like studying heroes arc. And if you look at the heroes in our world, they typically are tragic characters. They have lived extraordinary, um, lonely, horrible lives because people kept calling him a hero and they would call him and like pour their souls out to him. He became like this beacon for people to just like, they were coming to him for help. And so Jim, he such a beautiful man. Um, he would rally and he would like pour out his, his soul to help people at great personal cost. And, I share this because somehow like he, as long as he was alive and he, he died because of an infection and, you know, unfortunately 
because of his condition, he wasn't able to sense that condition that until it was too late. So he, he died of a medical thing. Um, he would say to me, what choice do I have? I can either descend into hell or I can see that somehow this was a gift where I could actually help people. And it's just like, it not like it felt good, but it still was like this place where he was able to come to peace with his life. And he actually tells the story where the morning that he got into the accident, um, he woke up and, and he said to his girlfriend at the time, something incredible is going to happen to me today. And he, he had the sense that like that was going to all happen. Mm. One other thing I wanted to ask you about, Greta, is storytelling. (laughs) So I think, Mm. you know, you just told such a beautiful story. You've told a few. And this is a lot of what you do is tell stories, right? Yeah. Um, So I'm curious if you can share any insights into just the art of of storytelling um, and uh, what you feel makes a a powerful story. Mm. Oh, I think that storytelling is the best way to communicate. I think that people are the difference between a story and a presentation is that a presentation is just like information is sort of thrown at you. Whereas a story has a hero, maybe it has a villain got characters that you care about it has emotion and it has contrast there's a beginning a middle and an end it's really important to know when the end is (laughs) um i don't know it's like for some reason you will go to um you'll go to the movies and you will i'm just gonna adjust this just a little bit Um, you'll go to the movies and you will sit at the edge of your seat and two and a half hours or whatever will just like fly by, right? But if someone just tries to sit and tell you about the his information, you're yawning and you're bored within one minute. So um, I guess I, I learned really early on that if I wanted to effectively communicate, um, it seemed to work if I delivered that in the form of a story. And I enjoy hearing stories. And I think when you hear a great story, it's like you want to, you want to share it with other people. So yeah, I love storytelling. (sighs) Me too. I'm, I'm still trying to understand what it is, uh, about stories that so compelling, like it, it, it feels so essential to what I am and what I'm interested in spending my time doing. Yeah. Uh, hearing stories, like, you know, like what is that? There's one very important component of a story is that there is a challenge. There's a problem that has to be solved. 
And so I think that resonates with people a lot where they recognize, you know, I mean, there's this really funny comedian who was talking about like, if those Liam Neeson movies, you know, if he just like always is saving his daughter, right. His daughter's always getting, getting kidnapped. And, um, and if he were to, try to rescue her. And it turned out that she was just shopping at the mall or just like <laughs> looking for colleges or whatever. It's like, we wouldn't care. We wouldn't care. But, but somehow, um, yeah, I think, gosh, there is a, a teacher who used to, he was a, a theater teacher, but he did a lot with like rhythm and he did a lot with teaching us just that, and this is like, so beyond like our brain, we just have to like scoop our brain out. Um, the rhythm of our heart, the rhythm of our actual like heartbeat, we actually have this, this pulse. And so we recognize a lot of the way that, that we encounter the world has a lot to do with things that have nothing to do with our thoughts in our head, but have a lot to do with just like, And there'll be these rhythms that you connect to in your soul. Um, and so I think story has that contrast. And that contrast is if you look like sort of what does it look like? It's sort of like a heartbeat. And that connects to here much more than here. I think information is just up here, but like story is in here. It, it so is. It's like, like when I'm considering myself being engaged in, in a story, whether it's a book or a movie or whatever it is, it's like my jaw is just, I just imagine my jaw being open and just being like totally riveted. Like you said, just like immersed in what's happening. And I love it so much. It's like, I, uh, I've given up a lot in my life and I'm sure I'll continue to give up, up a lot more. I don't think I'll ever give up stories and nor do I want to, you know, oh, no. <laughs> I love no, it. No, no. Yeah. yeah. I don't actually have that many books like anymore. I've sort of like cleared out some of my books and the only books that I will always cherish. I have all of my childhood books, like all of them. They're my library. You know how people are all like, Oh, I've got all this. Like this is incredible. My library consists of, free to be you and me and my carry my little Peter rabbit collection and where the sidewalk ends. Do you tell your daughter's stories to you? Oh my, you know, what's really interesting about this actually. Ah, glad you asked that. Cause it just, it sparked it in me. This is a really recent thing for her that she has begun asking me to tell her stories. I mean, we've been reading books for a long time, but we'll just be hanging out in the car or wherever. And she'll say, daddy, can you tell me a story? And it's been, it's been a very interesting experience for me. It's like, what story can I tell her? Like I could just make something up. But what I normally find myself doing is thinking about different experiences that I've had in my life that I could share with her that oh. she would she would enjoy so it's like taking me back to all of these different things that have happened to me um and and now she she asked me to like repeat them she'd be like can you tell me again the story about uh when your sister the you know aunt sari did this or whatever <laughs> it's it's great it's it's so it's so fun so yeah yeah storytelling hmm. oh Thank i love you. that yeah 
I love that. Yeah. I think stories. So yeah. Um, there's oftentimes, uh, I think that's a good way for us to remember something important. Mm. And the art of exactly like, like, yeah, the oratory experience. I think it also sparks a different part of your creative, your brain, because you are, I don't know about you, but like, um, I will immediately start imagining, like, as you were telling me that story, I'm picturing you and your daughter, like, I I see it. And so I think that's also an exciting part of it. It's like, sort of traveling through adventures and thoughts. Yeah, In terms of of learning, too, Mm -hmm. I don't know if, if, if we always... Um, you know, associate stories with learning, but I think that there is so much within them that you're like, when I, I love to read fiction, you know, and a yeah. lot of people I think see that as maybe like, you're not, why are you doing that with your time? To me, I'm <laughs> learning more than I can possibly realize through these stories. You know, I don't even understand it, but I know that I'm learning so much and yeah. that's how I enjoy learning through stories. Yeah. 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 Greta, thank you so much. I, um, I feel really honored to know you. I hope you know that and appreciate our friendship and thank you for taking the time to have this conversation with me. It's totally awesome. I feel the same way. Avi. I, I think that you are truly a light in this world and, um, your generosity, your just, it, it is a, a gift. It's a real gift knowing you. I definitely consider you a friend. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this content and think others might as well, please feel free to share and subscribe.